0: With Nolwandle and uh, talking about Sassol, and uh, also some news coming out of Zambia, where it seems a, a dispute around. Electricity supply has uh, led to allegations of the Zambian government expropriating uh, the infrastructure and, uh, I guess, resources from uh, one of the private producers of energy. Certainly, some interesting uh, lessons for us here in South Africa as we think about the role of the uh, national energy regulator, NERSA. Our tech conversations this evening we catch up with the uh, founder of BusyMed, a health tech startup. And they've received an undisclosed amount of investment uh, from Lion Pride Agility Fund. Mpati Cezile is going to be speaking to me about uh, that startup, uh, which uh, was uh, launched uh, all the way in Nelson Mandela Bay uh, in Port Elizabeth. Under the microscope this evening, for all of you uh, who are undertaking further study or are in, in the areas of higher education in universities and our TVET colleges, uh, we're going to be catching up with the Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Puti uh, Manamela and uh, going to be talking to him about what's next for universities and TVET colleges to make sure that we can salvage whatever remains of the academic here. That's what's coming up this evening. As always, I love to hear from you. Share with us some of your views on 089-110-3377. Liko nga lietu eili, tina bandu anabomkuba, tina bandu anabenzaka, tina matola nyongande kutlialana, singa bandu anabakula, kenaymbaga kastyege sazala sinama azinyo, sisi Sembo wengu non tizi mkwetu. Sisi kuluwa nasika mkayo lili ngape ndabo zuko. Kwa limite sathluka nsayo pe Afrika kubaka luku singa ma Afrika sembo. wathu kwa singa isusa na nini na asi ibanga le ekonomi. 14 minutes it is before 8pm and uh, you're tuned in to Metro FM talk here on the mighty Metro. We now go into our wrap of the top business stories and I'm joined on the line to help us take a look at these stories by Nolwanjim Mtombini, analyst at Mergence Investment Managers. Noluanjli, good evening to you and welcome.
1: Hi, i how are you?
0: I'm good, thanks, Gunjan. I'm also good. Good, 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 good. Now, uh, other people that seem to be good, uh, I guess, might be holders of uh, a Sasol Stock and uh, uh, I remember at some point, I mean, this hovering around the 30 rand a share mark, uh, it certainly uh, has cleared the 100 rand mark and uh, has uh, certainly gained from uh, the recovery you've seen in oil prices.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, in the last two days we've seen risk on. So I think it's also a benefactor of a very strong equity market in the last two days in the rally. That said, obviously, the the move in oil prices also providing a big tailwind for to move higher.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean let's talk about them uh, for a bit Uh, a lot of people might say I mean this share price was buoyed somewhat by uh, you know external factors uh, primarily the uh, 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 share price uh, or sorry the Brent crude oil price but operationally I mean uh, is Sasol out of the woods here from a debt perspective but also uh, if we think about uh, I guess some of uh, the issues related to Lake Charles and bringing that project on board.
1: Well, I mean, in the, in the last two months, nothing could have changed fundamentally for the business. Um, with regards to, you know, Lake Charles, it was, you know, almost at, you know finished in terms of going to go on stream and online. Um, but, you know, there's still not much progress there. Um, so, you know, coming up to this rally, I think, you know, the noise has really been around where the oil price is. Um, nothing has changed. The debt position certainly hasn't changed. In fact, you know they had hedged um the oil price at thirty five dollars and now it's at forty. so they actually you know if you know maybe they'd waited they would have gone a forty dollar price which would help them um but you know they're still in a very precarious financial situation, and you know the only good thing out of this is that they've got a better price to have their rights issue.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, let's talk about that rights issue. Uh, what do you make of, um, I guess, potentially the appetite that uh, some in the investor community might have uh, to take up some of those shares?
1: I think the market will support it. Um, you know, a lot of the you know things were beyond management control, such as the oil price um I you mean know, that's rather unfortunate and it that would really push the balance sheet over the edge. Mm. I think if we're sitting back at, you know, $56 a barrel we wouldn't be having this conversation regarding rights issues. Um that said I think you know for the very long term I think you know if you look at the child Child, char- char- I mean the Lake Childs project it's still it's still a good investment of a long term given the you know where it's based and you know mm. what could possibly do for the business. So I think investors will take a further longer term look Um, and
0: you're going to save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, uh, I guess, the other uh, story that I found quite interesting, um, you know, in the marketplace today. Uh, And it's a story that uh, involves our currency, the South African rand, uh, hitting the uh, 16 rand 99 mark in early trade uh, this morning and uh, certainly clearing that 17 rand uh, barrier to the US dollar. We saw uh, the currency uh, nearing 20 rand to the US dollar um, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, What do you make of this recovery? And more importantly, I guess, what's leading to it which is uh, the weakness of the us dollar uh, linked to uh, some of the challenges that we're seeing in the united states and in particular of course uh, the uh, social unrest linked to the murder of george floyd
1: so i think you know I think the bigger driver has really been you know some strength in the em basket as a whole mm. um so you know when you look at the currency and uh, as much as the rand dollar has improved um, i think you'd have to look at against the dollar against other currencies and the EM basket in particular has been outperforming the last two weeks. Um so it's not just, you know, limited to SA or what's happening in the States, but also the EM sold off more than, you know, EM regions sold off quite a bit. And, you know, they obviously um, you know, whoever falls the fallest for the world goes and goes lower then the rest will recover, have a bigger bounce. So I think that's what we're seeing and that the EM currency in fact, you know. Um, you know our Brazilian counterparts are doing much better and the Colombian peso and the Mexican pesos are doing much better than we are doing. Um, so I think that is really the sentiment around EM that's been a driving factor here.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what does this then mean, I guess, in the context of where we find ourselves? Uh, you know, somebody was speaking earlier on, uh, my two colleagues and uh, our Amakel our segment. Uh, we're talking about, um, you know, the lower, uh, I guess, uh, oil price and the t- territory that um, the Brent crude oil price finds itself in. Uh, And the only thing that really could, I guess, stop us as consumers from getting relief Uh, would have been uh, some, you know, a RAND weakness. Uh, What does this all mean? I think a lot of people are still sort of reeling from the uh, 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 increase in the petrol price yesterday and uh, probably uh, uh, wouldn't want to brace themselves for another increase. What does this mean in the next few weeks or so if we can bank some of the uh, gains that the RAND has made uh, in light of where the uh, oil price is and even what OPEC is talking about?
1: So, um, the, you know, the oil price has moved from around 31 and found its way to 40. Mm. And at the same time, the RAN went from 19 to, you know, 17. So, you know, these moves could have easily upset each other. So at this point, you know, it, it, it could make no change at all. Um, it really depends on, you know, how it's calculated. So it could be a zero sum gain at this point, given that the two forces that drive. The decision of whether or not the oil, the petrol prices will be cut or cut or hiked um, have moved in opposite directions. Mm. So it really depends on both whether you know the oil price is stronger than the the, the, the strength of the of the rand um, going forward from here on.
0: Mm, mm. And uh, certainly one we're going to have to watch quite closely here in terms of how uh, that unfolds and the impact that it has uh, on the marketplace. Now uh, we're going to be uh, having our tech conversation. Uh, just after 8 p.m. this evening and uh, taking a look at um, uh, the uh, uh, BusyMed, which is a health tech startup based out in uh, Port Elizabeth and Nelson Mandela Bay. Uh, but um, the other big story, I guess, that involves uh, South African players here, uh, includes the Harambe Entrepreneurship Fund, uh, backed by Cisco, and also uh, one of the um, funds linked to Jonathan Oppenheimer, who's no stranger to to us here in South Africa. They are now raising uh, funds for tech startups. Uh, put in, uh, I think they've put down about one million, uh, uh, you know, US dollars here and uh, let's maybe talk about some of the startups that they funded uh, more notably in Africa's most populous nation in Nigeria
1: yes so they're looking at um making steps in taxi heal- taxi taxi hailing sorry, taxi hailing service mm-hmm. um basically you know uber type of business model and then a platform for distributing um farm products so um you know in terms of you know the taxi hailing service i think you know it, it, it's it's been a growing it''s been growing throughout the, the, the region in Africa and rest of the world. um but in terms of African, it's been quite behind. Um if you look in the states, for example, they had already left an Uber in business for many, many years before they started entering the African markets, and even the penetration of taxi hailing services in Africa is still very small, with South Africa being the first market that Anna Uber had you know piloted into and then slowly through also the other regions. Um so, you know, the the market is still very small and underdeveloped, And given that, you know, where markets are, um, opportunities are there to kind of, you know, make the right acquisitions and get in and, you know, win some market share. Mm.
0: Mm. Let's talk about what's happening in Zambia. Uh, quite an interesting story I found here. Yeah? And uh, I guess, um, I mean, I'd love to hear some of your perspectives and some of your thoughts on this. Because, uh, you know, if if one considers... Uh, some of the challenges that have faced uh, commodity-reliant economies like South Africa, Zambia, the DRC, and many others, and even Nigeria in this context. Uh, It makes one wonder, you know, um, the circumstances around which uh, this uh, uh, Vedanta-linked copper mine uh, went into liquidation and the impact that that has then had on some of the energy supply agreements. Uh, Give us some of the context of what's happening in the story uh, and maybe, you know, from where you're sitting, uh, what lessons it might have for South Africa, which is also going into uh, an e- an energy transition that really uh, will require effective and enabling regulation
1: yeah so the copper belt energy Corp um, does distribution of power so they basically you know build the infrastructure to provide the distribution and then you'd have um um the 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 vendetta vendetta being um the supplier of the of the of the energy and the electricity, so what happened now is that you know the a deal was made between you know for for concola and and vendetta regarding um supplying a supply agreement to provide electricity um but this was going to be done through the cEC which is the copper belt energy corps infrastructure. Um you know, and the state ruled that you know as a distributor of electricity you know the c e c was 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 mandated to supply you know make their the copper lines accessible to everyone um but now the government wants to stay um, to step in and impose a fee at what at what the C E C should charge mm. um Vendata here. So basically the government is saying, um it's telling, you know, C E C is a private player, I mean they're listed and saying that A you have to, you know, make your land accessible to everyone and B they are imposing a, a charge um, at to what they the rate that they should charge. This rate is 30% of what they usually charge. So they're basically also telling them um, they must charge much cheaper to the state state deal than they would to risk the market.
0: Mm. Do you see this as expropriation? I mean, if you're saying that you normally charge in the marketplace uh, for some of your mining clients one rand for a kilowatt hour of energy and now you you expected to charge 30 cents uh, for all of the other ones now that your main client has uh, liquidated, um, you know, uh, I mean... it. Is the regulator in that instance empowered to do that? I mean, I guess for countries like Zambia where they've also had a dominant electricity supplier that's state-owned, I think in that case Zesco, that's the name of it, which is quite similar to our own context here in South Africa in the case of ESCOM.
1: So, I mean, expropriation by its very nature and definition is really about dispossessing someone from something that they own mm. and it would be require the state to actually take it away. So, you know, in terms of the definition of expropriation, expropriation, this doesn't fit that. Um, But it would be more likely an abuse of power. And with that, there could be, you know, um, constitutional rights that are being interfered with so i think that is where the challenge is is that is the state abusing their power and is it constitutionally you know infringing on the rights of of cec at this moment by imposing you know regulatory fines you know i mean sorry yeah fine i mean fees that are not in line with normal business practice mm, mm. so i think that's the key thing and obviously these are kind of things which you know make Investor community, especially foreign investor community, is quite hostile to investing in the country, um, and you know we've seen that again with Nigeria, where the MTN situation, the way it was handled, you know, made, made Christian investment environment mm-hmm. that you want to enter. So I hope that you know Zambia doesn't go along that route. Um, because it is, you know, does put off um, foreign direct investment to the country if you start abusing your power, mm. especially through a regulator which is supposed to be um, fair in how it conducts um, its in its its business.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's bring this home for a second here um, to our own, I guess, renewable procurement or procurement of uh, 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 energy supply and uh, some of the uh, uh, projects that we've had in this country and. Uh, uh, you know, what would happen if tomorrow uh, our government would say, look, we, we've seen some technological change in the industry and uh, we might have to renegotiate these contracts. What what would that mean in the same breath for, uh, I guess, uh, the confidence, as you say, of uh, foreign investors uh, in our energy build program at such a critical point in our just transition?
1: So, I mean, the government, you know, a few months ago did come out with how they want to increase the supply of electricity from renewable energy. So in order to do that, you have to have players coming in and, you know, investing into renewable energy. In order to reduce that load of ESCOM, they have to, you know, partner with, you know, private companies who are putting funds into renewable energy. So if you're now interfering with the ability to um, generate revenue, um, then, you, you know, they're not going to invest. It's really that simple. So, you know, the problem is, you know, Eskom is in a dire situation as well. And, you know, likely we haven't had to deal with load shedding. But the necessity of renewable energy in our country is very important in terms of, especially now that, you know, the bid prices are much, mm. much lower compared to where they were a lot, in the first round bids, first and second round bids. So I think, you know, the government really needs to make sure that they do not not alienate that community. In fact, for, for any sector, not just renewable energy, um, and it's more important for the renewable energy sector because of the strain that ESCOM has had on public finances that you want to have that plan B being renewable energy. Mm-hmm.
0: Before I let you go, Nolwand, let's talk just briefly about, I guess, uh, in, in the aggregate and more broadly, what kind of day it has been in the marketplace. I think a lot of people have said uh, a day where much of uh, the ticker tapes and the indicators we look at found themselves in the green. I mean, I saw financials. Uh, you know, uh, hitting the lights out, Uh, notwithstanding the fact that uh, many banks have come out and said that um, they're expecting much uh, stronger credit losses and a weaker loan book uh, on the back of COVID-19. What what do you make of how the markets have uh, uh, responded on this Wednesday?
1: Yes, so I think, you know, we've seen the optimism around economies opening, really coming through on a risk-on day like this. Mm. The banking sector in particular has been the hardest hit in this environment. And it makes sense because if you think about it, the buck really stocks with the banks. If you're a consumer and you can't pay to pay, you know, not going shopping to your retailer, your retailer is not going to have any money. Then they have to go and talk to the property company and, you know, get relief. And then the property company mm-hmm. has to talk to the bank. So it has had this domino effect, domino effect. And the banks are the ones that have, you know, holding, they've got the last, but they've got the last, last, buck in terms of the, how this all plays out. And as a result, the banks obviously have had have been hit the most. So it, it does happen in a day like this where obviously the shares that have fallen, you know, the fastest and hardest are the ones that obviously have bigger gains. So because the valuations are so comparing to the banking sector, you can find that people are probably now sweeping them up. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, it is a short-term market, you know, it's very short-term based and, you know, something would change it around tomorrow and people will be selling um, but you know, it was long bit you considering our market, it's how the sell-off that happened in March, um, right around you know, when the lockdown was around to happen. So it really is a recovery from you know the you know pessimism that was at the height of pessimism in March when the lockdown was announced. And I think you know there's you know, some positivity coming mm. through in the market. Okay,
0: day well, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much as always for taking time out to speak to us. My pleasure. Nuland is an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers speaking to us this evening uh, here for our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, by all accounts, uh, I guess uh, a much better day in the markets today for many of our indicators. And uh, we'll uh, certainly uh, take a look at uh, some of that as we continue with our discussions.